Hello there, I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And this is The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? <laughs> so, so normally um, we would start talking about Doctor Who and stuff here, but um, I don't know if that were, that's going to happen this time because something happened between me and Kyle recently that makes me wonder if we're going to be able to record a podcast together anymore. Um, a bit of backstory, there is a character in Animal Crossing named Daisy May. She's a little <laughs> piglet, and she sells turnips. And I am of the opinion that Daisy May is a perfect angel, and she can do no wrong, and she is absolutely adorable and deserves all the best things in the world. Um, I should also add, Daisy May just happens to have a little snot issue she's got a booger hanging from one of her little piglet nostrils um which has so poisoned kyle's mind against her that he thinks that she is a terrible person worthy of hatred just because of that one tiny little flaw I think her caretakers are terrible people worthy of hatred. I think she is being abused and neglected and forced into child labor, being forced to spend her Sunday she mornings. She has one tiny little snot, <laughs> tiny little booger hanging from her nose, from which Kyle has concocted this massive conspiracy theory, wild conclusions about what's going on in Daisy May's home life. Hey, if I ever have children, they will not be seen in public with snot dripping from their nose. <laughs> She's just a snotty child, Kyle. She's just doing her best. She then she should stay home. Nerves. She's spreading disease. No, she's not. She has allergies. <laughs> uh... So I don't know if I can keep doing this podcast if you continue to, to hate her as much as you do with the, <laughs> the, the loathing, the, the level of complete um, <laughs> disgust that you have for this poor angel child. Well. All right, let's record a podcast. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Kyle, I love you anyway. Let's, uh, let's, you... you can still do Doctor's Watcher. <laughs> All right. We will just leave Daisy May out of it. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, Benny, we recently purchased a message to be read on another podcast. Mm -hmm. And as of this recording date, I don't think they've actually read it yet. I don't know if they will have read it by the time this episode airs or not. But I just wanted to say, if we have... Any new friends of DeSoto listening to this as a result of that, then hi, we welcome you. Hi. Hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for making it through 18 episodes of us not greeting you. Uh, in episode <laughs> 19, we say hello. <laughs> I mean, presumably you probably started at episode one and you've been hopefully listening to all of them since then. Hopefully. And Otherwise, only... there's going to be a lot of jokes you might miss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, welcome.
So in any case, this is, in fact, Season 1, Episode 19, Mighty Kublai Khan. Mm-hmm. And uh, like most of the previous episodes of this serial, I ended up watching the Loose Cannon Reconstruction. I kind of gave up on the CGI after just that <laughs> one episode. Yeah, I could understand that. Uh, but Benny, do you recall our Cliff Dangler from episode 18? Yeah, our heroes were so close to getting away. They were sort of leaving a lot of plot threads unresolved, but they didn't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to take the TARDIS and go, um, when suddenly that rascally warlord Tagana kidnapped, I think, Ping Cho at the end. Uh, it was Susan. She had gone... To say goodbye to Pinchot. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a minute. Um, but yeah, he, he went and kidnapped Susan, so I guess we can't wrap up this serial yet. Yeah, not quite. So Ian and the Doctor and Barbara, you know, they have been in the TARDIS waiting for Susan, and they actually see her get kidnapped. Like, they watch it happen on the scanner in the TARDIS. So Ian comes out and confronts Tagana and the doctor and the barb and Barbara also come out of the TARDIS and, you know, they're starting to confront Tagana just as Marco Polo arrives on the scene. Mm-hmm. And Tagana tells Marco that they all would have escaped in the caravan if he hadn't caught Susan. So Marco takes the TARDIS key away from the doctor and then he makes Tagana release Susan. And Tagana's like, Let me kill them! I'm done with it! <laughs> uh, Tagana. Uh, Marco's just like, We will kill no one! That's cool. Marco asks where they got the key. And Ian wants to spare Pincho, basically. So he claims to have searched Marco's office and found it himself. Hmm, bluff check. Yeah, he he rolls, but the DM doesn't reveal the result quite yet. Uh, Marco seems kind of annoyed at this, but he says, Tomorrow morning at dawn, we ride for Shangtu. The next you see your caravan, it will be at the Great Khan's Summer Palace, and that will make an end of it. Great Khan's Summer Palace sounds pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what amazing, you know, lifelike, true-to-life set they uh, they built on their <laughs> Doctor Who budget? It was actually not a bad set. Uh, we get the Summer Palace in this episode, and then, spoiler, there's another, another palace maybe in another episode <laughs> uh, that's even cooler. But yeah, it's actually a pretty nice set. Cool. We get a captain's log, another Marco Polo captain's log, where... He describes the 40-mile journey that they're taking to the next city on their way to Shangtu and reminds us in this captain's log that the TARDIS is following behind them in a trade caravan. At the next city, Ian and Barbara have a brief conversation where we learn that the doctor is pretty sore after such a hard horse ride. Barbara comments that she doesn't think they'll ever get him back on another horse again. His headband wasn't tight enough. (laughs) Yeah, apparently not. (laughs) She suggests to Ian 
that he go and talk to Marco again about like getting the TARDIS back or whatever. And Ian's like, Talk to Marco? I've done nothing else but talk to Marco. Marco shows up just then, and Barbara's like, Oh, Marco, Ian wants a word with you. Oh. I'm feeling a bit tired, so I think I'll go off to bed. Hmm. Leaving Ian to be all like, But just a minute, Barbara, come here. Right? Well, well, Marco. So I thought that was pretty funny. Every time I try another one of these, the DM adds a cumulative plus five to the difficulty. <laughs> I need somebody else to roll a bluff check for once. <laughs> Marco is so done with my BS. <laughs> Marco and Ian actually end up having a pretty interesting conversation. It starts off with Marco asking, like, what's the big deal with the TARDIS? Like, why do you want it back so much? when I've promised to take you back to Venice with me and you can just go home from there. And Ian's like, no, really, we can't just take a boat home from Venice. Like, we need the TARDIS. Interesting. Marco, of course, doesn't really understand why. Uh, you know, Ian, even though Ian's from England, Marco's like, you know, that's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew... Uh-huh. So Ian actually decides to just tell him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> he he reminds Marco first that he's from England. Marco's like, yeah, yeah, that's not that far from Venice. The Crusaders made the journey. And Ian's like... The Crusaders? Oh, Marco. To me, the Crusaders lived 700 years ago. And Marco's like... What are you talking about, Ian? The Crusaders were in the Holy Land 25 years ago. So Ian just tells him how the TARDIS can travel not only through space, but also time. Man, why didn't we just do that in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't work that well. Marco has a pretty hard time with it. He's like, dude, I've learned about all sorts of wild shit in my time in Cathay. When I was a boy... They said that there was a type of rock in Cathay that could burn, and I didn't believe it, but it turns out it's true. Uh, like Flying Caravan, or... I think he, yeah, Charcoal, I think is actually Ian mentions it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And so Marco continues his, like, you know, Flying Caravan, cool, cool, birds can fly, I've seen some fish that can fly, why not a caravan? You are asking me to believe that your caravan can defy the passage of the sun. Move not merely from one place to another, but from today into tomorrow, today into yesterday. Oh, no, Ian. That I cannot accept. Ian's like, what are you saying? That wouldn't make an awesome premise for a TV show? <laughs> Marco's like, TV, is that like traveling vaudeville? <laughs> Uh, so Ian insists that he's telling the truth. Marco asks him where he found the TARDIS key. And of course, Ian can't answer this question because he doesn't know where Ping Cho found it. Mm -hmm. And so in Ian not being able to answer, Marco knows that Ian didn't find it himself. He lied to protect Ping Cho. So Marco says, Ian. Don't you see, it doesn't matter to me why you lied. 
What is important is the fact that you are capable of lying. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Ian's like, oh, You don't believe me when I say I came from another time. And Marco responds, If I did, Ian, I would give you the key. Oh, nice. It's like yeah. I might hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of nice, at least. Like, I don't believe you, but if I did, I'd help you out. It's, you know, better than, like, a complete fuck you. <laughs> yes. So, that night, Ping Cho actually sneaks out. And the next day, Marco is like, well, shit. The Khan wanted me to come as quickly as possible, but I'm also responsible for Ping Cho's safety, so I kind of have to look for her. But I really can't. The Khan's going to be fucking pissed if I don't just come straight there. Mm-hmm. So Ian's like, dude, you go to the con. I'll go back and look for Pincho. Marco, like, briefly questions Ian's motives, but ends up dismissing this and, like, sends Ian off to get a horse. In town, our representative of the local Shady Dudes Corporation goes and talks to the concierge that we met last episode. And he shows the concierge some papers that convince the concierge that Shady Dude is supposed to take the TARDIS. So Is Shady Dude dead? Uh, this is a different Shady Dude. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, Akamat was dead. I think this one is like Hui Jun, I think his name was. Uh, all right. Uh, this, yeah, this particular Shady Dude wears an eye patch and has a monkey on his shoulder. Wow, he is extra shady dude. Okay, yeah, that's how we're gonna tell awesome. him apart. We had Shady Dude who was Akamat. This new guy is extra shady dude. <laughs> so so concierge starts leading extra shady dude toward the TARDIS and Ping Cho approaches and she's like, Oh hey, extra shady dude, is your caravan going to Samarkand? And he's like, uh, maybe. And she's like, I want to join it, unless it's going to Shing too. And he's like, uh, maybe. <laughs> and she's like, I can pay. And he's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, totally. In that case, yeah, I'm sure it can be worked out. Just give me all your money and I'll go work it out with the caravan leader. <laughs> so she does. Yeah, she's like, you look so trustworthy. Uh-huh. <laughs> we cut to some time later when Ping Cho is talking to the concierge, and he says, You paid money, you foolish child. You have been robbed. Mm-hmm. Did you not see the eye patch? <laughs> uh-huh. Or the monkey on his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either extra shady dude made a really good bluff check, <laughs> or she's just got like a, a pretty low wisdom score or something. The concierge realizes that he has seen her before and that she arrived with Marco Polo. And just then Ian shows up to reclaim her. You know, Ian's off looking for her. And he asks her why she ran off. And it turns out it's partially because of having stolen the TARDIS, the TARDIS key, and she's afraid of getting in trouble with Marco. Mm-hmm. But also, 
she doesn't want to marry a fucking 75-year-old dude. That's fair. Yeah. She's only 16. So Ian apologizes to her, but says that he promised Marco that he'd take her back. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that Ian was actually going back for her. I kind of thought that maybe he was just using this as an excuse to go try to get the TARDIS or something. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's what Tagana thought was going to happen. And, like, what Marco kind of worried about, but sends Ian anyway. The concierge, like, tells Ian about how Pincho was robbed. And it comes up in this telling that the extra shady dude who robbed her was, of course, the person that the concierge just shipped the TARDIS off with. (laughs) And just at this moment, another caravan driver shows up and he's like, hey, I'm here to pick up the cargo. And he shows his document that is actually authorizing him to get the TARDIS. (laughs) Nice. And Ian realizes what's happened and he says, It's been stolen. TARDIS has been stolen. So first, yeah, first Marco steals it from the doctor to give to Kublai Khan. Then Marco steals it in the name of Kublai Khan. Then he reverts that back to having just stolen it himself. But now Extra Shady Dude has stolen it even further. And, you know, if we go back far enough, I think the doctor himself even stole the TARDIS originally. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if we know that at this point in the canon or not. I don't think we do, but that is true. So, yeah, the TARDIS is just getting stolen all over the place. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. We cut back to Marco and company, who have gone ahead and captains logged to the next city on the route. It's the only way to travel. Uh Uh-huh. It's so much easier than, like, actually writing. (laughs) Tagana is like, dude, you can't trust Ian. Let me go and look for him. And Marco is like, no, he's cool. But, you know, of course, Tagana thinks that Ian's going to try to steal the TARDIS himself rather than looking for Pincho. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Tagana wants to go catch him. But Marco is like, dude, you represent Khan no Gai. You have to come to the Summer Palace with me. I really can't go without you. Like, that could mean war. Hmm. Barbara and Susan. And, and Tagana's like, oh no, war, that would be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> we could not have that happen, now could we? Oh no. <laughs> So Barbara and Susan come in, and in the ensuing conversation, it comes out that they both oppose Ping Cho's marriage. And Marco's like, wait a second, all of you? And Barbara's like, yep, all four of us, totally against it. And so at this point, 
Marco decides to send Tagana off to look for Ian to make sure that Ian actually was looking for Pincho and not the TARDIS. I guess, you know, having learned that they're all opposed to Pincho's marriage, Marco is losing some trust for them or something. Yeah, I mean, also, I think he wants to make sure that Ian brings her back as opposed right. to just, like, sending her home. Yeah, and freeing her, or, yeah. Ian, of course, is actually trying to figure out what happened to the TARDIS now that he's found Pincho, mm-hmm. and Pincho is helping him. He figures that it must have been taken away by some old, no longer used road, and Pincho suggests the road to Karakorum. She doesn't know why someone would take the TARDIS there, but Ian says, Until I find it, we shall never leave Kublai Khan's cafe. We cut back to Margot's party, who has now arrived at the Summer Palace, and at this point we do actually get a lot of telesnaps of the characters all admiring the beautiful palace grounds. Cool. So yeah, we get you know, some nice views of the the set that they built at the BBC. Uh, obviously, it's black and white with the loose cannon colorization, but, you know, actually pretty lavish for, for what you might expect on their budget. And how many, uh, like, model buildings are we looking at versus how many <laughs> matte paintings? Uh, it was a mostly, like... Rooms and courtyards are most of what we see. Mm-hmm. So I think there's actually not much in models or matte paintings. Oh. Yeah, it's like... Wow. You know, proper little sets. That's <laughs> cool. Not very many, but yeah, there's a, f- a couple of them, yeah. Cool. Uh, everyone talks about like how amazing all the palaces and the grounds are. And Doctor asks Marco about the size of the grounds... And Marco's like, oh, fuck, they're huge. They've got to be because the Khan's two greatest passions are hunting and falconry. And he's like, did you know that he's got 10,000 white stallions? Sweet. Yeah. The doctor refuses to be impressed, though. He says, well, one's enough for me, young man. Red, white, or blue. (laughs) Until you get me a tighter headband, I won't be sitting on it anymore. Uh Uh-huh. So the vizier tells them all that when the Khan arrives in this room that they're all hanging out in, that they will all have to kowtow and touch their forehead to the ground three times to make their obeisance to the Khan. So that he may look kindly upon you and spare your worthless lives. And the doctor's like, "Uh, how about I just do like maybe one and a half? (laughs) Yeah, the doctor's actually just like, fuck that. I shall do no such thing. Uh-huh. And the vizier is like, Kublai Khan is the mightiest man the world has ever seen. Not to pay him homage will cost you your head. And they go on arguing for a few more moments until a gong sounds, and the vizier starts making them all bow as the Khan approaches. It looks like the doctor is kind of resigned to it now. And we get this whole little audio montage of trumpet annunciation music paired with old man groans as the doctor attempts to get down onto his knees 
while Kublai Khan, who himself is all is an old man, hobbles into the room, also groaning in pain. The two of them are like, "Oh, my my fellow <laughs> old person, uh-huh. how how I understand what you're going through." Once he gets settled in his throne, the Khan is like, "Do you mock our afflictions, my back?" And the doctor's like, "No, dude, my back is all fucked up." Getting old sucks. Yeah, these are my my afflictions. <laughs> and the con is genuine affliction. Uh, <laughs> the con is just like, man, tell me about it. My fucking gout. <laughs> Marco refers to the doctor, and con is like, Doctor, oh, is he? Are you perchance a physician? And the doctor responds. I am not a doctor of medicine, sir. Otherwise, I should be able to cure these pains. Oh, what a pity. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, we have no idea what he's a doctor of, but now we know one thing that he's not a doctor of. Because I just always assumed that he was some sort of doctor of science. I think that that seems likely. I don't actually know if it's ever confirmed or if they discuss what he's a doctor of. But yeah, apparently not medicine. It'd be kind of cool if they never actually reveal it. He's always just the doctor. Yeah. So Khan kind of looks around the room and he addresses Marco and he's like, so where's Tagana? I was kind of hoping that he could explain why Nogai's army is in Karakorum. And Marco is like, Karakorum? Shit, it's not supposed to be there. Uh Sorry, my bad. Tagana's not here with me, but I can see why you're upset. And Khan decides that, like, they've all got to leave for Peking first thing in the morning. Yeah, we've heard the name Karakoram before. Right, yeah, that was the road that mm-hmm. Pincho and Ian thought the TARDIS was taken down. I guess Karakoram is basically too close to the Summer Palace, and with Nogai's armies there, Khan's getting pretty worried. So that's why we need to all go to Peking. Mm-hmm. The doctor is concerned about this because it might mean he'll have to ride another horse, <laughs> which he really doesn't want to do. And he's in no condition to walk that far. So Kublai Khan actually ends up inviting the doctor to ride in his caravan of state with him. Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's nice. So, yeah, they're oh, like yeah, well. <laughs> becoming like pretty good old man friends here. <laughs> we can just list our, our aches and pains and woes to each other the whole time. <laughs> uh-huh. The Khan tells Marco to bring Tagana straight to him when he arrives, and then he turns back to the doctor and invites him to go hot tubbing with him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like We We have healing waters here. Which relieve my gout. Come, let us observe their effects upon your aches and pains. Very well, very well. Oh, what a trial old age is. And they both hobble off together. 
Another BFFs. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ian and Ping Cho are hiding along the Karakoram Road, trying to spy, or they are spying on Extra Shady Dude. And Ping Cho confirms to Ian that this is the guy who robbed her. And Ian thinks that it looks like he's waiting for someone. So Ian further speculates that that's why he stole the TARDIS. I guess so he can, like, pass it off or something. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, Ian just takes one look at this guy and he's like, yeah, he's up to some shady shit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Some extra shady shit. So he and Ping Cho actually, like, jump out of their hiding spots and attack extra shady dude. Whoa. And, like, they get his wallet, and Ping Cho, like, gets her money out of it. Oh. And Ian asks who was going to be, who is going to pay for the TARDIS, like, who is Extra Shady Dude getting it for? And, you know, he has to kind of, like, bully Extra Shady Dude into revealing that it was Tagana, of course, who had hired him to get the TARDIS. <laughs> And just at this moment, Tagana shows up on the scene with a sword drawn. And, you know, confronting them all. And Ian is, like, holding extra shady dude captive at this point. And Ian's like, you know, come any closer and I'll kill him. And Tagana's just like, okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Ian just shoves extra shady dude aside. He doesn't actually kill him. I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little surprised extra shady dude didn't have any sort of weapon on him. I, I don't actually remember quite how Ian overpowered him. I mean, I only saw the reconstruction, so I'm not sure if it was even clear to begin Mm -hmm. with, but, but yeah, I kind of feel like he probably could have and should have put up a more of a fight. I mean, Ian's a pretty, like, tough guy. He's Ian, man of action. That's true. He did have that one fish the, that kept darting about, <laughs> personified after him. Yes, his, his fish sona. Fish, fish sona. <laughs> so Ian and Tagana kind of start sizing each other up as text appears on the screen Next episode, Assassin at Peking. Nice. And music plays and credits roll. Sounds like a good solid title. Maybe not quite as, you know paperback adventure novel-esque as Wall of Lies <laughs> or the, the Cave of 500 Eyes, but man, it's got some good stuff in there. You know, assassins, um, to, to those of us, you know, presumably in 1960s England, interesting far-off places. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Sounds like good stuff. Yeah. I feel like it was a uh... It was a pretty good cliff dangler too, you know, like we, we've got like this fight that is just about to take place. 
it you know seems like it might be the final showdown between Tagana and Ian and like finally figuring out what Tagana's plan is up to and mm-hmm. you know the no guys armies are in Karakorum and things are coming to a head they've definitely like solidly split the party at this point yeah that's and true it'll be interesting to see when and how they all get reunited yeah cause yeah we've got Ian and Ping Cho off in the Karakorum road Tagana's there now as well but everyone else was at the Summer Palace but are now going to be heading to Peking where presumably they will run into at least one assassin <laughs> either that or the episode title is lying <laughs> which I don't think has quite happened before the Forest of Fear was pushing yeah. it yeah some of them were a little disappointing. <laughs> Maybe they overpromised, but that's not quite the same as lying. Yeah. Yeah, it would be hard to call it assassin at Peking if there's not actually an assassin at Peking. Yeah. Well, this is sort of, I mean, I, I feel like it wasn't quite our most epic or, or uh, you know, adventure-filled episode so far, but it, it was pretty pretty solid. It, you know, kept the plot moving along. Yeah. Um I felt bad for poor Ping Cho getting so, like, taken advantage of by extra shady dude. Yeah, definitely. Ping Cho is such a, like, sweet, hardworking, warm-hearted character. She's such a kind, you know, charming, good person. I just, I don't see how anyone could possibly dislike somebody like Ping Cho, who's such a, you know, kind, nice, wonderful character. Who um, has good course. hygiene. <laughs> Maybe someone like you. <laughs> just one little booger hanging out of her nose and you would just kick her to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's, that's all I had. <laughs> well, I guess come back in two weeks and find out whether or not there is really an assassin. <laughs> Bye, <laughs> listeners. Bye. Hi, Kyle here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, And thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.